Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, my name is Bryce Watts. I'm Allison Anger. This is a podcast where we speak exclusively to the women in the NFL to learn about how they navigate this life in the league. The players are always the ones in the spotlight, but we want to highlight the amazing women who are their support systems behind the scenes. Get out the way, men. Lately I've been feeling out of touch Like nothing gives me that same kind of Welcome to episode eight of the NF Ladies podcast. We have special guest Erza Haliti with us today. Hi, Erza. Hi, Allison. How are you doing? Great. Start us off by telling us who you are, who's your significant other, and what team you guys are with. Awesome. So my name is Erza Haliti. My boyfriend is Nick Vanette. He is currently with a tight end for the Denver Broncos. Go Broncos. How many teams have you guys been with? And like, what got you here to the Broncos and to this point? Sure. So this is our third team that we've been with. It's his second contract. Um, Nick started out, he got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks uh, four years ago. And then uh, last year on his last year of the contract, we got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers September 21st. I was on a Tuesday at five o'clock and then uh, finished out the season with the Steelers um, and then come March, we were just exploring some options and decided that we loved the Denver Broncos and ended up here. Cool. Isn't it funny how you remember the exact like day <laughs> and where you were and what you were wearing when you got that phone call that your entire life was about to change? Oh my gosh, for sure. So his parents, so my birthday is the 20th, um, maybe it was the 22nd, but it was on a Tuesday. So my birthday is on the 20th. His parents were in town. It's his mom's birthday. My brother was in town with his then girlfriend and he proposed to her that Monday. And then on Tuesday, um, they were still in town. Nick and I had like an appointment to go to. We're in the car and John Schneider calls him and he is uh, the GM of the Seattle Seahawks. And Nick was like, you know, John Schneider's calling me. And I was like, what? He's like, he's only ever called me once before. And at this point, I'm like, man, did he like change some girl's name to John Schneider? Is this some like sketchy stuff? Because he was so shocked, like so shocked that he was getting a call from him. And he's like, there's only one other time I've gotten a call from him. And I was like, well, answer it. And so he could kind of like already tell and know what was going on. Um, Or he had a feeling. And uh, they just cut right to the chase. And they're like, hey, there's no easy way to say this. You've been traded to... The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they've been after you for a while and it was just like too good of a deal for us to pass up. And so best of luck to you. And I mean, we love the organization and like he handled the conversation really well, but it was just, you could feel like Nick shaking and his heart stopping. And I'm like, what's going on? Uh, And then 10 PM that night, he got on a flight to the Steelers and we never looked back. So pretty crazy stuff. That's wild because I remember you saying, Allison, isn't it weird how you remember the time, the day? I remember every situation where we were about to move to a different team. And that waiting when they're on the phone with somebody, you're sitting there like, what What do you say? Like, what, what aren't you telling me? If they don't tell you immediately and they do something else, you're like, 
are you just going to pretend like you didn't get a very important phone call? What are you doing? <laughs> Talk to me. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy. And then too, like I could hear it, the volume was loud, so I could hear stuff in and out. And I mean, I, I got the gist of it, but it was like, holy crap, is this like, no. Uh, but I have to tell you this really funny story because we were like, we spent off season in um, California. That's where he trains. Um, that's where his agency is at. So I was just exhausted from like living out of suitcases because we go like January, January through April and then they have OTAs and then we go back to California for six weeks. And it sounds super glamorous and fun and don't get me wrong. Like I love it, but it's also hard not having a home base. And so I remember telling my friends like, man, I'm so excited to get back to Seattle to start the season and to know that that's where I'm going to be for six months. And, um, you know, when they cut people Labor Day weekend and they bring down the roster to 53 people, well, when they were cutting people, one of my really good friends, one of my best friends, Ashley Brown, um, Jerron Brown's her, his, her husband, um, they were originally cut from the Seahawks. And I was devastated because we built like a good friendship group. So I'm laying there on the floor crying to Nick and like, I don't have any friends. Like she's leaving so sad, so sad. And then they ended up like renegotiating their contract and, you know, came back to the next day. And so just feeling that pain when somebody else was leaving was like devastating. And to think that I had that security, like, oh yeah, we're finishing out with this, you know, with the Seahawks, blah, blah, blah. And literally what two weeks later we get traded so just this this world is so crazy and unpredictable like you just throw everything out the door and you're like you know what just let go and let god because it's there's nothing you can do about it i on the other hand you talking about building that connection with a person and then you realizing that they're leaving i wasn't there for his first year when we actually uh -huh. were staying with a team so i unfortunately have been very selfish and individualistic where I'm like, okay, as long as we are here, I'm good. Like I did yeah. have a good group of girls in, in uh, New York or New Jersey with the Jets, but it's it's been very much where I've been pretty selfish. So I've never had like where I'm rolling on the ground crying like, I ah, now I know nobody. But yeah, I could totally see how that's like you being broken up with by your friend in a weird way. Okay, so we've been together for three years and we met in Seattle. I had my group of friends... Um, and then my sister ended up moving to Seattle and one of my best friends. So we were roommates. And then, um, after a year, they decided they wanted to move to LA. And so I wanted to, I had nothing else to like be in Seattle for except for Nick, because at that time I was working from home. And so, you know, I was like, Hey Nick, you know, what are we doing? Like, I'm not going to pay for rent in Seattle and be in a place that I don't really like. I loved it, but there's just nothing there for me that I needed to stay. And my sister and best friend left. So it was like, okay, I'd have to restart over. So we got, you know, more serious. And then that was the year that I started hanging out with um, all the girls and like building friendships and building connections because basically I had to restart. And it was such a fun group. Like we got to do a lot of fun stuff together. So that next year I was thinking it was going to be the same again. And like, then you have your boat rocked. Um, but that's why it was like, I just, you know, I lost my friends. I lost my group and, once they moved away, it was time for me to make new friends and I guess be selfish. Was it tough for you because you were worried about creating that connection again? So you kind of held yourself back a little bit more because obviously you're very personable, very easy to talk to. So I would imagine that that's not an issue, you getting out there and talking to people, just the willingness to do it. 
Yeah, um, and the tough situation, and I'm sure you guys can relate, but like Seattle is a big football community. And, um, you know, when people want to be your friend outside of, outside of the network, like you don't know if they want to be friends because of you or because of what your boyfriend does or like what you're affiliate affiliated with. And so I've, unfortunately it's happened to me a couple of times where that ended up being the case. And so you kind of just close off and you become a little more reserved and you're a little more particular of who you allow in your life. And so I was like latching on to these NFL girls or like these NFL wags because I'm like, man, at least I know we're on the same boat. You know, they're friends with me because we're in the same community. Also, they're, you know, my boyfriend's coworkers, what significant others. But that's what I was like latching on to because I had a couple of experiences where I could tell like people weren't friends for me. They were friends for, you know, the status or, or whatever it was. And that was like really disheartening because I love getting to know people. I love making friends. Like I'm a big people person. And so after that, you kind of just become more reserved. As you've moved to the Steelers and then to Denver, have you been able to get involved in the wives and girlfriends groups with those teams and like still build those relationships in the new cities? Yeah, for sure. So Seattle I'm going to keep talking about Seattle. We love Seattle. Um, But Seattle was awesome because they had this lady named Connie Kate. I don't know what her exact role was, but she was like a family coordinator where she would set up events for the wives and girlfriends and even for the kids. And so I thought that was a normal thing. Um, And then going into the Steelers, I like I had just launched my business. I had some health stuff and I was traveling back to like uh, LA literally every week getting on a red eye coming back to Nick's games be there for a few days go back to LA for work but I remember going in with the mentality of I'm not gonna go and make friends in Pittsburgh I'm just gonna focus on my business focus on my health focus on our relationship and that was kind of the mentality I had um but then I got to meet some of the girls and they were so freaking sweet and they were so welcoming. I mean, they all had like a lot of them had two to four kids and lived an hour away. So that was harder, but, um, they were just so sweet and so welcoming and like included me in the group chat. We did a a few volunteer things and I was just like, I remember thinking like, why did I think I didn't want to make friends? Why did I want to have my walls up when they were so welcoming? And I'm like forever grateful for that because they just showed me that, like your family, you know, whether you come in the beginning of the season or at the end of the season, like your family. And, you know, like for that, I'm forever grateful. Um, there was another girl, Gabby, her last name is now Lynch. Her husband is Paxton Lynch. And we were on the Seahawks together. I think they were just there for camp and then they ended up coming to the Steelers. So we would, we met up and would go to games together and stuff too. So that was fun, but it was nice to have friends there And then coming to the Denver Broncos, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I had a lot more time to build friendships. And um, we know Nick went to Ohio State. And so he's got a buddy that was on the team last year. And his wife, Hannah, reached out to me one day and was like, hey, uh, Megan Von Miller's girlfriend is doing a photo shoot for her bodysuits. She's got a company called More Wasted. She's like, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, sure. So that's how I ended up meeting a lot of the girls. And then literally a week later, we decided to go boating and like make a boating trip. And ever since then, we've done a lot of like fun activities. 
Um, but everybody, every team I've been on, everyone's been so welcoming and like, you have to try a little bit, you know, you have to reach out and like talk to people, but it's just, it's been so nice that like, no matter where you're at, there's always going to be a sense of community if you're open to it. Yeah, there is a sense of community because you have that huge thing that links you guys together. There's, I mean, you could be completely different people lead completely different lifestyles before this point, but you get introduced to each other out of obligation. So you're not alone. So you get to talk to somebody else and you're not just talking to your guy for 10 minutes when he comes home and he's exhausted. Yeah. Which is never fun. Well, and I think everybody's on the same page. Like we're all, we all want to have connections and friendships and most people aren't from the city that they live in. So like we're all low key desperate to, you know, make friends and fit in. And so it, it's kind of a nice thing that we're all on the same page and we do want to make friends. We are the desperate housewives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are the show. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. <laughs> so you said that you and Nick met in uh, Seattle. How'd yes. you guys meet? What's the story? Okay. Give us a scoop. Um, <laughs> so this is your like modern fairy tale um, or modern day love romance because we didn't meet in person. We met over Instagram. He sent me a DM. First of all, like athletes has, has never been my thing in high school I went to Boise State and um all the guys I'm sure they were great people but they just walked around with like extra swag and at that point they had like won the fiesta bowl and they were just like the talk of the town and so I like was kind of low-key bitter about them and I thought they were can I say douchebags <laughs> uh, on the podcast okay <laughs> so I was like never big into athletes Nick reached out to me and I wasn't going to respond, but he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, not to come off as creepy, but I wanted to let you know, I think you're really beautiful. And I just responded with thanks creep. And so then he was like, Oh, okay. And just like was trying to segue into a conversation, but he was so witty. And I told him, I was like, somehow he asked for my number or wanted to go on a date. And I was like, thanks. I'm flattered, but I don't date professional athletes. And he was like, Oh wow. Did you have a bad experience? And then he's like, actually, you know, I'm not usually into pageant girls because they're superficial X, Y, and Z, but you seem really cool because of X, Y, and Z. And I just loved how he like dished it back. And so from there, I was like, all right, damn it, I'm going to go on a date. And just like from the get-go, he was just so sweet, so fun. And we like had that instant connection. But it's really funny because our story isn't like anything romantic or crazy. It was just like a, a DM back and forth. Are they ever romantic stories? I haven't heard one um, romantic story on this I podcast. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like the stories we've heard on the podcast so far about meeting and proposals, they've been very thoughtful, but not necessarily romantic. Well, I feel like that's just how life, for the most part, is in general. Um, like, we we see all these movies and fairy tales, and we think, like, that's how it's supposed to be. But so many of us experience, like, just normal life and, you know you you meet your love the love of your life when you like least expect it or, or just you know in untraditional ways and it just it's like what makes life beautiful I think is not everybody has to have that same perfect romantic stuff and I used to be so busy chasing the perfect guy or the perfect um experience and a lot of times like that's way more stressful than just living life and having things happen organically yeah I think that's just the way life is because people have these great intentions and they are like men are very thoughtful and women are very thoughtful when they are pursuing someone, 
but we're humans and life happens. And so the way you necessarily plan or want something to go isn't ever how it goes because yeah. life happens. That's what he, sure. human is. That's what love is. So Erza, you mentioned that you're a pageant girl. Um, and I am too. I competed in the Miss America system for a couple of years and, and college. And my husband will say all the time, I can't believe you did that. Like he wasn't, he didn't know me in that phase of my life. Um, but I, I just think it's funny, like a man's perspective on what it is. And I just think also the general public's perspective on what it is. And even me being a Miss America system person and you, I believe we're USA. I know they're very different. So go ahead and explain to us, like, what is that like? Um, being a title holder, but also like, what was the process to winning Miss Idaho like? Yeah. Well, first of all, that's awesome that you did pageants. Uh, the America system was hard. Um, I remember when I first got into pageants, I didn't know anything about them. I was like a tomboy. Um, I just graduated high school, was like pretty athletic, but not good enough to play in college. And so I wanted something to compete in. And a friend approached me and was like, hey, you should do a pageant and I remember thinking like pageant girls are dumb they're superficial they just want to get by based off of like you know their looks and um I was like oh yeah I'll do it like I can beat them thinking it was like a competition I competed and I got last place I had like six weeks to prepare I literally got last place but I loved how ambitious all the women were and they were just so like well-spoken and mature and they just seemed like they were doing stuff with their life. Whereas I was like my freshman year into college, didn't really know what I, you know, what I was doing it was more of a social butterfly than like goal driven. And so meeting all these pageant women, women I'm like, this is what I want to be a part of. So that next year I prepared for a whole year and I was even looking into other systems. And when I looked at Miss America, like, holy cow, you guys do like eight pages of interview stuff and then you have to have like a platform and a talent so props to you for doing that because I remember looking at it and I'm like yeah this isn't this isn't I yeah I'm gonna leave it to somebody else so the USA system was more uh for me but I ended up practicing every day like I would practice literally for a whole year I'd practice interview questions I would me and my friend she was doing teen I was doing miss so we'd go to the gym at night do our workouts bring our heels and do like lunges and heels and practice our walks and uh volunteered a lot and I just became a lot more involved in the community and it was a sense of like I wanted to do this I didn't feel obligated like I wanted and it was just a new hobby and new passion and I ended up winning that year which was really really exciting um and then got to go to Miss USA and you go to Miss USA and it's just a whole other ball game like these girls have been competing forever Texas had like so many sponsorships um, and they just had a lot more support than a smaller state like Idaho did. Still a really cool experience, but looking back, I always say like, man, I wish I would have lost a few more times just because every year you compete, you get more skills. Like you learn something new every year. And once you go compete at Miss America or once you go compete at Miss USA, you don't get to do it over. You don't get to compete again. Like once you win a title, that's it. Unless you jump to another system. And so that was like the hardest thing because my, my pageant chapter started late and then it ended really fast and really early. Um, so 
it was a cool experience. I always tell people like I loved it and I think everybody should do a pageant. What are the opportunities that it's opened up? Oh, um, so many things. So this is going to sh- sound uh, like I don't mean it for, to sound it conceited in any way, but literally every job I've ever gotten, I've never, I don't know how to build a resume. Um, I need to learn how to do that. But like any job, any business opportunity I've ever gotten was through my connections in the pageant system or people would see like, oh, hey, you were a title holder. That means you're X, Y, and Z. And people would offer me jobs or like I would go into an interview and it wasn't as formal. Like they reached out to me through somebody else. I'd go into the interview without a resume and they just, you know, like the skills it teaches you in interview, just how to be personable with everybody. Um, like that's literally how I got every job, you know, the last 10 years was just through pageants and, and what they've taught me. I would think that's like the biggest thing that I've ever heard anyone say about their takeaway from their pageantry is their ability to speak to people, interview, build relationships quickly, because you learn all of that. You learn how to walk into a room and in the Miss America system, you get 10 minutes to convince these six or seven people that you're it that you know yeah. what you're talking about, that you can represent your state, that you can go on the national level. And so you learn how to, I feel like, take a lot of stuff and make it, you know, t- into 10 minutes. Like take your whole life and everything you know and tell it to someone in 10 minutes and command the room. And then when you can take that over into like the business world, into corporate world, I, it's really impressive to people because we do. Like you said, you train for a year. You train really hard for it. It's not something that comes natural to everybody. No. And then the, I think where I got most of my lessons um, and also where I built a lot of my confidence and tough skin was pageants can be expensive. um, And so you find sponsors, you find people to support you and it's a form of advertisement for them. It's tax deductible. And so I would go around from business to business asking them to essentially give me money to support my dream and the amount of no's that you get and how awkward that conversation is to have. Like you have to learn how to spin it in a way where you're selling yourself professionally. You know, you're not just knocking at somebody's door and saying, hey, give me hundred bucks. Um, And so the amount of no's that you would get and every time I just learned how to ask, you know, it and how to like not sugarcoat, but just how to make things sound more professional. And you just build tough skin when you hear all those no's and then you hear that one yes and it's so worth it. Um, But that's really where I learned a lot of my skills because I was great with my peers. I was like a social butterfly, but man, I could not talk to anybody that I was intimidated by like a professional adult or a manager, a business owner. And so from finding sponsorships, like that's where I learned a lot of my skills um, and, you know, why I feel so comfortable like talking to anybody or being in business situations. Yeah, I got to compete for the whole six years that I was age eligible to compete. So I lost a lot. That's so so awesome, though. (laughs) uh, I mean, I didn't lose a lot. Like I would win. You win a local title in order to go to Miss Florida and compete there. So there's a lot of winning, but a lot of losing, too. And then same thing, getting sponsors. And every time you don't win the pageant or someone tells you no, it teaches you to accept no and accept that maybe you're not the best for everything but then also still walk away with complete confidence in yourself, which is also a very good life skill to have, to be able to accept that this isn't your win, but you're still great. Keep going. 
is so valuable for any woman to take on with them in life. Absolutely. And the other thing too is I feel like even when you step on stage, you're already a winner because there's so many people that don't even like they are afraid to step on that stage or they're afraid, afraid to step outside of their comfort zone. So even just like being up there is such a huge accomplishment on its own. And it like takes a really vulnerable person to be up there. And so, um, yeah, every time you compete, you just get all these skills that I never learned in school, whether it was like high school or college. And that's why I literally say like anybody I talk to, I'm like, oh yeah, you need to compete in a pageant. Like even if you didn't win or you didn't want to win, like just the skills it teaches you are something that you'll have with you for a lifetime. And you mentioned that you have your own business and you said you walked into interviews and they knew your skill set based on the titles that you had won. And I assume that you brought those over to the business that you opened. So what kind of business are you running right now? Yes. So a year ago, I started a company called Sway Social. It's a social media management company. Um, It started out with my sister is a professional model and her following was growing. All these companies would reach out to her and she just didn't have the time to, uh, you know, reach back out, respond. And really she probably didn't even want to. She's more like a creative person rather than like the little details. So I started taking over her social media and helping her partner up with different companies, managing it. And then I started doing the same thing for Nick too. Um, And then from there, you know, being in this industry, like I can't go get a nine to five job. Like I can't go, I mean, I could, but we would have to do long distance and I'm, I'm not about that. Um, And then, you know, like I said, we spend half the year somewhere else. You could be on another team. You never know. So for the most part, you try to find a, job that's remote and so people kept telling me like wow you're really good at this you're really good at social media you're good at these things why don't you turn it into a business and I never really thought about that until I had a business mentor that you know was helping me out and he said like this is like you can make money and you can help people doing this so that's kind of how it started out but I met uh, my business mentor and friend through like pageant related stuff so that's kind of how I was able to apply it um And then now people, you know, people will come to me, whether they are models or whether they're athletes, the model side of things helps because of my sister and like the experience I have. And then the athlete, you know, the athletes come from Nick and just the people that I've met through him. And that's incredible that the NFL gives you that access to a whole new network of people that you do have something to relate with first off. And then they trust you as well because they know that you're not trying to take advantage of them. You're in the same position and you're trying to help them and help yourself and start your own business as well. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome that you have those two, those two people, your sister on the model side and then Nick on the athlete side. I know it worked out really well. And so from that, you know, I was managing people's accounts and then I switched over to businesses. So small to mid-sized local businesses. Um, I manage their social media and just help them grow and help them reach more people because in this day and age, like even right now with things closing down, there's still so many businesses that are utilizing social media to get their, you know, to get their stuff out, to get their platform out. Uh, And like social media is not going anywhere. I personally have a love-hate relationship with Instagram but I'm like, hey, if it's a tool, might as well use it for good rather than evil. How do you, I'm curious, how do you approach a company who doesn't particularly find value in social media and show them that it can be a tool to monetize? Like with Instagram and TikTok, especially now, and Facebook, I mean, Facebook, I 
feel like older generations like bigger businesses use yeah. that. But how do you convince them that, hey, like you said, this isn't going anywhere? Because I feel like that'd be kind of difficult, especially my dad's age. He does. He doesn't have a LinkedIn profile picture. Yeah. So he's that person. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm not trying to convince anybody that social media, they need social media. Uh, I feel like that would just be really emotionally draining. Uh, so for me, what I, what I focus on is like, I only work with companies that I believe in or that I would use a product or buy their products. I'm like, I've always been big into that. I've been in sales most of my life and I can only sell something if I stand behind it, if I believe it. Other than that, like I'm a terrible salesperson. And so I find companies that I like, like we'll go to a restaurant and I really like the vibe and I could be like, and then I'll think like, oh, Nick and his buddies could come eat here. You know, me and the wags could come eat here. So then I go check out their social media um, and I'll see how it's doing. A lot of times they barely have any comments. They don't have a lot of engagement. I'll go to them and I say, hey, my name is, you know, Erza Haliti. I work with Sway Social. My boyfriend plays for the Denver Broncos. You know, this is what I do for a living. I came to your restaurant last week and I loved it. And I think this would be a great place to grow your social media presence and get some of the Denver Broncos, get some, you know, like local celebrities here into your company, into your business and um, provide you growth by them, like coming to dinner for free, posting about it, just things like that. But I use... I use my network and I use the people that I have um, like in a, in a beneficial way where they get something out of it. The business gets something out of it. Um, but that's kind of like really how I've done it. I don't try to convince people that don't think they need social media and anytime, you know, whether it was in Pittsburgh, Seattle, or here, even in California, people want more people to come into their business, you know, and I work with some spas as well. So I just, I only work with businesses that I would use their services. I was going to say, you mentioned before that because of the lifestyle that we live, like we live in two different places throughout the year and kind of hop around between season and off season, that if you were to have a typical normal, air quotes, like nine to five job, you would usually have to do long distance, at least at some point in the year, if not the entire year. So if you weren't in that situation, if you were living a normal life, uh, what would you want to do professionally? Or would you still want to have your business? Yeah, I, so I love my business and I'm grateful for where it's at now. Um, but if I had a choice, and it might be different now, like as I'm getting older, I want to have kids and stuff like that. But um, I've always wanted to do medical device sales, and it's because when I was in college, like I was a pre-med major, I wanted to become a pediatrician. I used to volunteer at the hospital, and I just loved the fast-paced stuff. And so with medical devices, you are in the surgery room, and to me, that was like so exciting. Um, it's also sales, and I, I thrive off of like competition and awards and you know silly things like that. Plus they make really good money. So if I wasn't doing this and in, in another universe, like I probably would have gotten into a medical sales. You are Albanian and you rep being Albanian, obviously. So you grew up in Albania and you came over at what age? Yes. So I'm Albanian. I was born in Kosovo. Um, and I actually moved at the age of four to Berlin, Germany, because there was a war going on. Um, and then we lived in Germany for six years and had the opportunity to come to the United States uh, in 2000. 
And that was like a two year long process of interviews and stuff. Cause they wouldn't just allow anybody to come in to like, I came with a green card where I wasn't even like a citizen. It took, I think when I was, uh, from 2000 all the way to 2009, um, that's when I be, finally became like a U.S. citizen. But we left our country because of war. Oh, wow. So, and I'm sure being a kid, you didn't realize any of that at the time, did you? I mean, do you, do you um, understand what was happening? Yeah. So I guess maybe, I don't know that I fully, we, we were fortunate enough to leave before things got really bad. My mom, um, my mom and dad, my mom's side of the family lived in Germany. And so we actually like fled our country um, illegally and went to Germany. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, <laughs> um, but like we went there illegally originally to try to get away from the war before it was going to explode. We lived in the city that I was born in. Now it's owned half by Serbia, half by like Kosovo, my people. So my parents owned a grocery store and we weren't able, able to even access it anymore because that's on the side of the Serbian side. And so like, we're not allowed to go there. If you go there, you have to go with like the military, you know, tanks, police, like it was like super dangerous. Um, and it still kind of is to this day, but yeah, that's why we left and came to Germany. Um, and then a, a couple of years later, the German government wanted to send all the refugees back because they said like, okay, the war is over. Um, but it was still a shit show. Like it still was really bad. And, we were afraid that we we're going to be deported back to our home country. So we applied to come to the United States and my aunt lived um, in Idaho. So she was able to sponsor us. And like I said, that was like a two year process. I don't remember the details of moving to Germany, but I do remember for the next year or so after that, I just remember my dad talking on the phone um, to his family and he wouldn't know for days or weeks at a time where they're at. My, my, um, aunt was nine months pregnant and literally had to walk across the country to another country for safety. Um, my grandparents on my dad's side, they lived in a town and when it was time, cause you knew they were like coming from town to town and just killing people and stuff. So my grandparents didn't want to leave and they're like, we would rather die in our home with dignity than try to run away and like of old age and stuff. And so we, um, for whatever reason, like they ended up a neighbor who was Serbian ended up helping them and taking them to shelter somewhere else. But we didn't know that. So when the mil the Serbian military came, they like, they knew who lived there and they put a picture of my parents up on the shower, my grandparents on the shower indicating that they had like died. And so, um, we thought my grandparents were dead for like a couple weeks and we didn't know. So I just remember like, watching my dad talk to his family on the phone. And I think I was like five or six years old and just seeing him crying. And I'd never seen my dad cry and just like seeing a grown man so upset because he thought his like parents were dead. And then late, you know, later on we found out they weren't, but it, that was just like the scariest time. It was like super traumatic for me, even as a kid. And I do remember those things. Like I remember, you know, I could tell you what he was wearing. I could tell you like it was nighttime and just like all those things. But I didn't get to actually experience the war and the bombs, but I, you know, I got to experience the other side of things like worrying about family and stuff. It's a little dark. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't even yeah. know how to respond to that. Yeah. I mean, cause I don't know anything about Albanian history. That was part of your life. So you 
you remember all of that stuff. You have a very good memory also, it seems. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I really do. There's like some things that I remember that I was a kid. And then I've also heard that when you tell the story, um, you no longer remember that original memory. You remember like the last time you spoke about it or like your memories can be skewed a little bit based off of what you say. And then like, you know, a year later, I'm now going to remember the war more from what I said now versus like what actually happened. But I don't know what that truth that is. I just read that in like some psychology thing one time. And you were so young, but you, as a young kid, you're able to pick up on like your parents' behavior. So you knew that like, it was a weird time because you realize this is, this is a big deal. Like this is not our, our typical day, our typical lifestyle. Well, and I'm sure if you guys think back, I'm sure you remember, you know, experiences when you were four or five years old, that maybe was like, you going to Disneyland, are you doing certain things? And so um, those are just things that I remember a part of like, you know, my past and my childhood. Yeah, big events, whether they're good or bad. So after that, you guys moved to Idaho. You said your aunt sponsored you guys. Was it your aunt? Yes. She sponsored you guys. And then you went to Boise. So you stayed in Idaho your whole life until you went to Washington, Seattle. correct? Yep. Seattle. Yeah. Oh my okay. gosh. Um, so we were so excited we're coming to the United States. When you think of America, you think of like New York or LA. There's nothing in between. And at that time, I was a diehard Britney Spears fan and NSYNC fan. And I legit thought I was going to run into them at the airport. So I had like an autograph book. And uh, we flew into Boise, Idaho at night. Now, mind you, like I lived in Berlin, kind of a big city. So coming to the United States, I was like, oh, yeah, like flashy, all this stuff. We flew in at night and looked really pretty. And I was like, oh, my gosh, welcome to America. Woke up the next morning. I kid you not, next to a farm, like this apartment complex. And then there was just a bunch of free land, legit next to a farm. And I would say, like, my whole family was probably depressed, except for my mom, for a year. Because my dad was like, you know, what is this? Like, just such a big culture shock, especially, like, you don't think of America and land. You think you know, at least how they portray it on TV overseas was flashy, glamorous, New York, LA. So it was a big disappointment, but I wouldn't have traded growing up in Idaho for anything because I love now that I'm like so outdoorsy, big into nature and just more community-based and family-oriented. I don't know what I would have been like if I grew up in a big city. Well, you're getting your taste of that now getting to travel, right? Like, so yes. be yeah. careful what you wish for, right? No, I, I know. And anytime, like in Seattle, we lived in Bellevue. In Denver, we live, you know, a place 30 minutes away. I'm not a big city person. Like I'll go visit, but just, we lived in Pittsburgh in downtown. It was super cool, but traffic sucked. Everything was, you know, like dirty. I was just used to living in a clean like suburb. And so um, I'm just, I'm not a city person. <laughs> Would you say Nick is a outdoorsy guy or not farm guy, but an outdoorsy guy or more of a city guy? Um, I feel like he's a good mix. I wouldn't like, he's not going to go hunting. I mean, he might, but he's not like a, your typical Idaho guy. Um, he's from Ohio, so he's from the Midwest, but he loves like, we'll go hiking or we go to like, we've gone to Breckenridge here in Colorado or Colorado Springs. So we love the outdoors and exploring new places um, but yeah, I don't think he'd want to be thrown in the wilderness for 
two weeks. I'm sure he could survive, but it's just not his jam. He does love going out to eat and like loves scenes like that. So I think his ideal living situation is kind of like mine where we're close enough to the city for all the fun events, but we get to come home to our space, our own garages, things like that. Speaking of your ideal living situation, let's say it's post NFL life and you can have a home base anywhere. Where would you pick? We talk about that all the time and uh, it's so tough because his family's from Ohio and my family lives in Idaho and um, like I kind of want to be somewhere in the middle. So I've always talked about, I love Denver. I would love to settle down here. It's so beautiful. It, you know, you've got all the sporting events that we could still go to or take our kids to, but then you've got the outdoors and you just have like everything here. He loves the beach and he loves water and I do too. But during the off season, we literally lived right next to the beach and we went there like three times. And so I'm like, I don't want to pay the taxes. I don't want to deal with the traffic if we're not really going to utilize it. Um, so I think maybe Denver, but you just, you never know. Um, it's, it's just tough because yeah, I, I don't even know. Um, all I know is that when I was on the East coast, like I loved Pittsburgh, but man, it was really tough being on a two, three hour time zone difference from my family. Like, especially my sisters live in LA and you know, I'm in bed and they're trying to FaceTime me or just, just like the different disconnect. Like that was tough. Um, and then I, to go to Idaho, I always had to take two planes. And so to me, like, I just want to make sure I'm at least maximum two hours away. It's a good plan. You got time to figure it out. Let's hope so. <laughs> so I did want to ask you, I always see you and Nick's date nights mm -hmm. and I always show Chad. This is <laughs> gorgeous. Do you see what he did for? He's like, she probably planned it. No way he did that. So like trying to give himself a yeah. little bit of leeway. And so are those unprovoked? Is he really super romantic and he plans his stuff as a surprise for you guys? Give us a scoop. Okay. So the scoop, first and foremost, I would like to preface that he was, he was not like this. Like I am his first serious girlfriend. He had, um, you know, like a couple girlfriends in high school and stuff like that, but I'm his like first serious girlfriend and he was not very romantic. Did not how to like, did not know, did not really like care to put in that thought because it just, it wasn't a thought for him. And I am pretty vocal about what I want before I used to be like, oh, they just need to know I want flowers or they just need to know I want a special date night or this and that. Um, and so I just had to be very vocal about, no, they don't know. <laughs> so I just had to be vocal about what I liked and what I wanted. And he picked up what I was putting down and like exceeded yeah, he exceeded my expectations and like he legit plans these date nights or he literally does these things. Like one time we went to dinner when we were in um, California, we were living there and he went to the restaurant, bought flowers and had them like decorate them before and had a card and just like a just because just like really thoughtful things like that. Um, and it's so freaking sweet. It's so freaking romantic. But, like, it took a lot of work to get there. I literally had to tell him. And then I also had to let him know, like, hey, I'm investing in you. You know, I'm coming from city to city with you. And I love you. And I support your dream. And I just don't want it to feel like it's Nick's show and I'm the sidekick. Like, you know, I want it to feel like an equal partnership. And you can't come to my games. You can't support me on Sundays or you can't do this. But you can love me and show me in other ways. And so, like, that was the biggest thing that – 
realization that he had to have and he had to understand is that like I'm loving you and I'm supporting you and I'm putting everything out on the line for you. You won't be able to do the same thing for me, but you can do it in other ways because a relationship is like, you know, give and give. I don't say it's give and take, like it's give and give. And he's like, he's so good at that. Um, and he loves planning stuff. Like he said, when he was younger, he loved planning, you know, what him and his friends were going to do. And he said it came from like, it rooted from selfish things because instead of relying on other people, like if they wanted to go to the park and he wanted to go, I don't know, to the, to the museum, which this is not it true at all, but he was like, I'd rather plan what I want to do and then have my friends do it. So he's always been a planner. Um, but yeah, the romantic stuff definitely came like the last couple of years because that's not how it was before. That's it's such an obvious but amazing piece of advice. You having an expectation for something, but just saying, okay, well, how do they not know? How do they not know it's nice to get flowers? Like me just saying, oh, you know, it's nice that that person got flowers. Like, don't don't beat around the bush. Why do you got to be like that? So I'm going to start saying what I want, yeah. saying what what I would enjoy and see how that works out. I'll get back to you guys. Well, and the biggest thing for me was like, I always thought that if I told somebody I wanted flowers and then they gave me flowers that I would only appreciate them 50%. Um, that's not true. You still appreciate it a hundred percent because he could have not got you flowers at all. And so um, that was always the biggest thing. I'm like, Oh, well, I won't really appreciate it if I had to give him that idea or there's times where I have given him ideas of what I like. And then he'll like keep that in his pocket and, do it months down the road. And then it's super romantic. Like for instance, we would stay at hotels or we would um, like anniversaries or Valentine's day or whatever. And I, in my head, I'd build up this like romantic scene. Like, Oh, I'm going to walk in. There's going to be rose petals and champagne. And one time we like checked into a hotel and the guy was like, Oh, I'm sorry, your room's not clean yet. Like, it, so it took him a while. It took him 15, 20 minutes. And in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, they forgot to put the rose petals and do all this stuff. We get to the room. There was nothing there. <laughs> and I was so disappointed. And so I told Nick, I was like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I thought, well, we we're going to check in. Like, it's Valentine's Day. I thought we were going to have something romantic here. Just, just my perception, like, you know, because of all this stuff that you see on social media and movies. And he was like, wow. I never even thought of that. Like that never even crossed my mind. And so what does he do? Like eight months later, he does that. And it was so thoughtful to me, even though I had given him that idea like eight months ago and I was disappointed about it eight months ago, like he implemented it. And that's what I love about athletes is man, they're freaking doers. Like people tell them their whole life what to do. They follow a playbook, when to show up, blah, blah, blah. And so it's kind of the same thing you have to do as a partner. Like you have to let them know what you want because they don't really have time for a lot of creative thinking um, in their life. You know, they just have to show up and follow the rules. They have to show up and follow the guidelines and do this stuff. So, and I kind of apply that to the same with relationships. Like I'm not, I'm not going to just hope that he, he's going to do something for me. I'm going to let him know what I like. And then, you know, he takes it and makes it his own. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that, has a lot to do with love languages and it's important that you communicate with your partner what your love language is because mm -hmm. I feel like yours sounds like yours is like acts of service mine is all of them <laughs> well, um I think I, I don't really receive acts of service like someone can be doing them for me uh-huh but I don't pick up on it because oh really so that's not okay that's yeah so no, I've always been that way 
but he, but Brian is an acts of service person. So, and oh. I've always said like, I don't really want a guy to buy me flowers. I feel like that's a waste of money. They just die. <laughs> he likes to buy like flowers. He'll surprise yeah. me. He did it yesterday. Oh. And so now I know like what it means when he's like, now I can yeah. appreciate it more because I know, okay, well that's his way of showing that he loves me. Like he yeah. thought of me when he was doing something. So just knowing like how your partner communicates that they care and then knowing how your partner wants you to communicate that you care is huge. Yeah. Well, I think I've noticed. Sorry. You, you just saying like, oh, the hotel room, I was expecting it to have rose petals or something. And like, if you hadn't said that to him, then you could have just like built up a little bit of bitterness in your heart and gone about the day like, wow, he didn't think of anything. But the fact that you just said it and you communicated clearly, and he's like, oh, I never even would have thought of that. Like, yeah. then your day, your night, your trip goes completely different and better just because you felt like that you were free to communicate your feelings and everything right. goes better after that. Well, and he like totally heard me and, you know, he was super genuine. Like I never even thought of that. And at that point I can't hold on to bitterness. Like guys aren't wired to be romantic. Guys aren't wired to be thoughtful, especially Nick. He's an only child. He's a professional athlete. Like the world has revolved around him. And so that's not like in his nature to do that, but he's grown to be like so selfless and so thoughtful. And, you know, like they, he has to be intentional and I have to be intentional with what I share with him. But I love what you said about like love languages and understanding that because I think whatever you give, like however you speak your love, that's essentially usually how you want it back or like what way you read it. Um, for me, I like joke and say, I need all of them because I was never a big words of affirmation person. I was like a physical touch and quality time. But then when I wasn't receiving words of affirmation, I was like, oh, hey, like I actually like those. Or, you know, if I wasn't, if I was receiving uh, words of affirmation and quality time, but not physical touch and you're missing that and you're like, oh, hey, like I actually like that. So I say it's like a balance of everything. But yeah, somebody has one that they lean to more than than others. There's a book called The Five Lang Love Languages. I believe it's written by Gary Chapman. And the fact that I know the author right now is <laughs> my fourth grade battle of the book self would be so proud. But it's a great book. Like, and just in life, like it's like your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your friends, like you learn a lot about yourself. Letting men know that you want that romantic gesture to me, I've always perceived it as being just the stereotypical woman and being needy and wanting to be overly romantic. And that's how I grew up thinking. Like it took Chad so long to ask me out because I wanted to be, I didn't want to be the pushy girl. I didn't want to be yeah. that nagging girl who was always there and always asking for certain things. And I think that's because of how I've always been my entire life, not wanting to even intrude on a conversation with people, like even strangers. I'm like, they don't want to talk to me. Why would I go up to them? But now it's like, why wouldn't they want to talk yeah. to me? Like, <laughs> I'll be your biggest hype man. Why not have me as a friend? But just learning that it is okay to want these things and to vocalize that to your man if that's what's going to make you happy. And they they might resist it a little bit, but just letting them know that it's something that you would really appreciate and that it's something that you've been thinking about. So you don't hold on to that resentment or bitterness because they're not doing something that you haven't yeah. told them before. Well, and two, I think... Um, the industry that they're in, they're painted like 
there's an, uh, an idea of them like they have to be really masculine really tough can't show emotions and that's just so sad because it's like a lot of guys like buy into that and a lot of guys get caught up in that and it's like yeah you can be a tough guy on the field but man you have all these people that love you and support you and if you're not opening up your heart and if you're not being vulnerable like you're gonna lose those people or they're you know they're gonna go focus on other things and so like I think it takes more vulnerability to to open up your heart and to be loving and to show people like how you love them, whether it's physically through acts of service, words of affirmation, like whatever the case is, because guess what, when they get hurt or when something happens or, you know, the game didn't go the way they wanted to guess who they're leaning on for support and love. And that's their significant other. And so you just have to like take care of each other's needs. I'm never going to be able to take care of his needs the way he takes care of mine and vice versa. Um, but it's like, that's just the biggest thing is understanding that that's just your job. Like you're just an athlete and that's your job, but that's not who you have to be as a person. I'm getting so much good information from you. This is our relationships episode right now. <laughs> I uh, love to give relationship advice, even when I was single. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just always like, I don't know, I'm a Virgo. I feel like I've always had really high standards and then I've learned to like Hey, we're all human. Um, but I just like, I love people and I love relationships. And it's like, I've been big into like therapy. I've been big into like self-help books, all sorts of stuff. Just like learning, understanding because men and women are, are wired so freaking differently and it drives me nuts. But I think if they were like us, that would also drive us nuts. So we can't have it both ways, ladies, no, unfortunately. Know, yeah. So talking about love languages and acts of affirmation acts of affirmation is that words, what you guys words, are? yeah so it's words, words of, affirmation, of affirmation quality time acts of service physical touch and yeah. gifts yeah oh my god perfect you put gifts last yeah. so it's the holiday season <laughs> you're going to be our first one first episode dropped for the holiday season uh in december so what is your guys's holiday season looking like this year do you guys have anything that you normally do like do you guys get each other gifts in any special way what's the lowdown yeah so I mean this year is it's so weird and different obviously with a pandemic um but we always get each other gifts and I am big this is the one place where I don't tell him what I want <laughs> and it drives him nuts because I'm big into like being thoughtful um I don't need you just just go buy me something because, um, like, you know, ultimately if I want something, like I can get it for myself. Or if I told Nick, like, Hey, I really want this. Like he, you know, he's loving and supportive and we'll do that, but I'm not big on materialistic things. And so I just want my gifts to be thoughtful. And my, like my, um, my big thing is like, I want him to pick up on cues that I've said throughout the year. Um, but yeah, for me, it's always been like more of a thoughtful gift rather than like a materialistic gift. Yeah, Brian would love, he would love like a tool or like a, like just something that he could use outside, whether it's like fishing gear or scuba gear, whatever. But like that, I would never buy him these things because he is like the biggest, best researcher in the world. So if he, if there's something that he wants, like he will research it for weeks and he will know every detail about several different options and what the best deal is. He's very practical. So he wants to make sure he's getting a lot for his money, but also getting the very best thing. 
if he's going to spend a lot of money. So on that stuff, like I don't really get him those things. So I do try to go more thoughtful and get him something that he would never think to get himself, which makes it a lot harder. So like, and he's a practical guy. So he appreciates a practical gift. I've gotten him um, some of his jerseys framed because I mean, by the time we met, he had several jerseys like from the two teams that he was on and like he has each color jersey, whatever. Um, and they were just like folded and piled up in the corner of his room. He never did anything with them. So I finally like got them framed for him so he can decorate his office with all of his accolades and stuff like that, which he appreciates because that's something that needs to be done. He would never do it for himself. Yeah. And he's like, okay, great. I'm so glad that's done. But then I try to get him some like other little things too, like stocking stuffer stuff. And that's always really hard for me. But I am also a big fan of just putting candy in there. Do they like candy? Nick doesn't have a big sweet tooth and it drives me nuts. Cause I'm like my love language, like he could come home and you know, with a chocolate or ice cream and I will be over the moon and he's dairy free. Like he has all, all these health restrictions. So like, I, you know, one of my things is gifts. And so like my love languages and I literally don't know what to get him or like what to buy him just as like a little thoughtful, Hey, I'm thinking about you because he doesn't eat sweets. Like he just doesn't have a sweet tooth. So let's move onto our Christmas questions, Christmas edition. Yes. Allison, would you like to take it away? Yes. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Happy holidays. Um, Okay, what is your favorite holiday tradition? Um, so we don't really have a lot of holiday traditions in my family, but I love, like, I lo- just I love decorating. I love putting up the Christmas tree, putting up all the decorations. Like Nick and I make a big deal out of it. Um, when I was younger, we used to love watching like Home Alone every year. And so I think now that I'm older and obviously like, you know, you start a new family or you start a family with your significant other. Like I'd love to create traditions because I love, you know, I love traditions, but we just didn't really have a lot growing up. And it's hard to make traditions like as a couple now because you might always be somewhere different for the holidays or you don't have time to spend together. Like they don't have weekends free during football season so yep. a lot of the cool holiday stuff that happens in the communities takes place on the weekends so yeah. you can't miss out on those well and we- i wanted to do like matching you know christmas pajamas but he's such a big dude like a lot of the ones that i like they don't have his size so yes. you just you know maybe matching hats i don't know <laughs> did you see or try the um the instagram prank where you like send your man a picture of um like a like matching Christmas PJs, but it's like a man in a dress, like a nightgown. Essentially. Oh, no, I saw that, but I never tried it. That'd be That's funny. so funny. Um, if you guys ever see those, send them to me. I love trying stuff. I just always see it when it's like too late. Oh, but someone else just posted this. I don't know who it was, um, but it, it's similar thing. So it's like a, it looks like a branch from a Christmas tree. Oh yeah. Where you hanging up a hundred dollars. Yeah. And they're like, uh, absolutely not. I like that's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, if Santa could bring you one gift this year, what would it be? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Uh, I think honestly, just like this is gonna sound so pageant petty of me, but I just want like things haven't gone as well as we'd like them to in the season, 
And so if Santa could give me anything this year, it would just be a lot of touchdowns and opportunities and receptions for Nick because when he's thriving and he's happy, like I already have everything I need in my life. Um, and I just want to see like him happy and him in his best opportunity. So I feel so blessed and so fortunate, especially coming from a war and coming like, you know, my parents had to work two or three jobs when we moved here. Like we had no money and they had to like rebuild from the ground up. And so I'm just grateful for everything that I have. And so to me, it's more so, you know, those kind of things nowadays. Yeah, they say happy wife, happy life, but I think happy NFL player, happy girl. Just happy, <laughs> happy everybody, you know? Um, Side note, your birthday picture that broke the internet. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, I wanted to do something. I've had that idea for like a while, but I didn't think I was going to do it in cake. I just, you know, when you think of turning 30, you th- like, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I thought like, oh my God, 30 is old. And uh, that's just what I thought. I thought I was going to have all these things in my life. I don't. And um, I just wanted to do something like originally I wanted to do something with like mud and do like this is dirty 30. But just I feel younger and healthier and better than I ever have my whole entire life. And I just wanted something to like showcase like, hey, you can still be sexy and 30. You can still feel good. Like you're not entering grandma age. Like it's just the beginning. And so it was a really scary photo for me to take because I'm not like I don't really usually post a lot of like swimsuit photos or things like that. And to be butt naked was uh, was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you totally by- bypassed bathing suit and said, you know, yeah, what? just put the frosting on. And the photographer is so awesome, Georgina Vaughn. Um, and then I have a video that she took of my best friend just putting cake all over me. And I was like, man, this is just like a, a different level of friendship, you know? <laughs> I turned 30 this year too. Happy birthday. When was your birthday? Mine's August 15th. Okay. Awesome. Oh, you're a Leo. Yeah. So I, I think what, just like a month before you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do remember thinking 30 was old. Right. Uh, and I remember thinking between 25 and 30 was like, okay, you're getting old there. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Okay. You might've already answered this. I might know the answer, but maybe you'll give us something different, but what's your favorite holiday movie to watch? Um, I think Home Alone used to be it for, uh, yeah, honestly, like just Home Alone 1 and 2, not so much 3, but I just loved, loved Kevin and those movies. And my parents worked a lot, so we were home alone. Like I I used to watch my three siblings all the time, so it just like related more to it because we used to have like knife fights when my parents were gone and just like all sorts of crazy stuff. And it was, it was like fun to relate to like, oh, what would we do if we were by ourselves for X amount of time? Well, that's a great segue to the next question. <laughs> Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas or Kevin McAllister from Home Alone? Kevin McAllister. <laughs> Bryce, I have no idea what you wrote down here. Like I... <laughs> you mean Santa or Krampus? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Isn't that a, it's like a German, there was a whole movie about it. He's like, he comes and he eats children's parents. I think I thought it would just be like a fun. That sounds like Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. We'll skip it. Okay. Christmas dinner or Christmas dessert. Oh, uh, if I could replace all of my meals with dessert, I would. So Christmas dessert, like I literally only eat food. Because 
for nutritional value, but like dessert is where it's at. I eat my dessert first and then food. See, when I read that question, I was like, Christmas breakfast. <laughs> like, oh, really? I, yeah, this is what our family does. Okay. We, like, it's what do you guys eat for breakfast? All the cousins and stuff, and we go to our grandparents' house and we do a big breakfast like eggs, bacon, grits, biscuits. I don't know, all the things. If you threw a Christmas party, what would the theme be? Okay, well, so first of all, growing up in the Albanian culture and even in like Germany, New Year's Eve is a way bigger deal than Christmas. Um, so I would probably throw a New Year's Eve party um, and it would either have to do with the office or like a black tie affair and the colors would be gold and black. That's fun. That sounds fancy. I love that New Year's to me is just like an extension of Christmas. Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole week is just... It's still the holidays. Yeah. I love that when you have like a New Year's Eve party or event, or if you go to someone's house, whatever you choose to do, but like it's still decorated Yeah. for Christmas. And I love that. It just makes it so pretty and like so exciting. All the glitz and the glam. Like I love New Year's Eve. No, for sure. For sure. But I do love that if I were to throw a Christmas party, like all the Christmas music and like you can't have um, candy cane cookies for a New Year's Eve party. So like things like that. That's why it's a toss up. But I love like the spirit and how everything feels during Christmas. So magical. Bryce and Erza, how do you guys feel about the ugly Christmas sweater parties? I'm for them. They're cheap and it's a reason to party. Yeah, I've never been to one. <laughs> I know. I, I guess I need more friends to invite me to one. Uh, but I love them. I think they're like, I love when people hang ornaments on theirs or just get really creative. I think you should just show up in one. Like, uh, Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> next next uh, Christmas or holiday party you're invited to, just wear the ugly Christmas sweater. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Well, I'm just so sad that with like, obviously I get it with the pandemic, but it sucks because I was really looking forward to like having the girls over and you know, just having little parties and gatherings and obviously with how things are going, it sucks. But like, I was really looking forward to having parties and getting dressed, not even dressed up, but just, you know, Christmas themed things. Yeah. So we just found out tomorrow's the last game that we're able to go to for the rest of the season. And then they're wow. closing it down to fans and fan like they're closing it down to everybody. So uh, the last few games of the year we can't go to, which yeah. sucks because next week is Thanksgiving. And I bet so many people are coming into town um, and Nick's parents are coming in town and they won't be able to watch him play. Um, so kind of a bummer, but we're just like some cities weren't even allowed to go to the games at all, all year. So I'm grateful that we got to go to some, but I feel bad that his parents don't get to, you know, go. That makes sense because I, one of the girls that I'm friends with is a Washington red, not Redskins, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she posted a picture the other day. It was like last time coming here as a cheerleader and I was like what it's like a month left in the season and I was like so at first I wondered maybe they rotate groups that cheer mm -hmm. at game day since it's like a different version of cheerleaders this year so I wondered oh. if maybe like only eight go each time or something um but I guess it's probably they're probably not having fans for the rest of the season too which would mean yeah. cheerleaders either very interesting yeah. And kind of sad. Um, he was just saying, like, it just feels so weird. Like, they played 
the Raiders last week and he said they didn't even have like sound, like fake cheering and stuff. And I think that would be so weird. Like he said, it, he's like, I'm pretty sure defense could hear like our play calling. Um, and even like, oh, when we were watching, I felt like I could hear way more than I usually can. Uh, so I just, it's, it's a crazy year. Our first home game was like that too. They had no fans and they didn't pump in any crowd noise. Yeah. So it's like really like scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Erza. So we covered a lot today from talking about the holiday season to entrepreneurship, pageantry, and just this crazy NFL life that we live moving around from team to team. And it's a lot to handle. Just to wrap things up today, share with us, like how has this whole experience in the NFL been for you? If you could summarize it and what other experiences has it led you to? Obviously, there's been a lot of, it's felt like a roller coaster, if I had to summarize it. Um, at the end of the day, like, and I've heard every woman on the podcast say this, like, we're just so grateful to be here and just so grateful to get this opportunity. Like, kids dream of, you know, when you say what do you want to be when you grow up, they say, like, a professional athlete or, you know, a football player. And so I'm just so grateful that we get to experience this. And sometimes I, I don't always realize in the moment how lucky and how fortunate I am to be able to travel and have different schedules um, and just not be in the same place over and over again. Um, so we get to have a lot of cool experiences, but, you know, at this, at the same time, I'm human and I, you know, like as humans, we also crave stability and we crave um, routine. And so not having that in the NFL, you just have to learn like, Hey, this is a blessing and it's just a part of your life for a short period. It's not going to be there forever. So really just making the most of every moment going to every game that you can, getting as involved as you can with the team or the city that you're in because you might not live there in a few months. And so that's been the biggest thing for me is just learning that it's a roller coaster, but enjoying the highs and lows and appreciating me like, hey, these lows will make me appreciate these highs that much more. Okay. And our last question is, if you had advice for a rookie wife or girlfriend just coming into the league, what would it be? Um, well, I have a lot, <laughs> but I think the biggest thing is honestly just making sure that you don't lose yourself. It's so, you know, like we talked about how this, the NFL has their own schedule. Somebody has to make compromises, but while you're compromising and accommodating to his schedule and his short term, you know, dream, make sure that you're still taking care of yourself and finding things that make you, you, you know, your partner picked you for a reason. They fell in love with you for a reason. Like don't lose all of that stuff just to be somebody else's girlfriend or wife or um, just, you know, mother, whatever it may be like, make sure you still have things for you, whether it's yoga, whether it's crafts, like whatever it may be for me, it was entrepreneurship and it was, you know, with my business sway social. And then even recently I am in the process of starting a business called showtime bling to have like custom rhinestone clothing and stuff for game days. Cause we all love to get dressed up for game days. But whatever it may be, just find something for you that's not related to his career, that's not related to, like, football, I guess. Um, that's not just related to, like, your relationship, but things that you get to do, things that you're passionate about. So for me, like, I've always been a DIY type of person. I've always been crafty and thrifty. And so being able to create a business um, where I can showcase that, like, that's going to make me feel good. I'm going to have something to do. I'm going to have something to talk about. So it's not always like, oh, how was practice or what's going on? But you, you just want to have your own stuff going on in your life and 
make do with the situation that you're in. That was great. Great advice. And thank you for uh, giving us more game day apparel because I have been looking for some stuff. I just started using iron-on letters. This is my first time using them, you guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Michaels and Joanne are my jam. Like that's where I used to go. And then whenever they have them, I just stock up in bulk. It really sucked when Nick was 81 and then all of a sudden he changed to 88 because I have no, I had no clothes. So now because we've traveled on so many teams, I just make everything on black. <laughs> like you never can go wrong with that. Or the name, you know? Yeah. Yep. For sure. That's not going anywhere anytime yes. soon. <laughs> okay. Erza, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your, pretty much your life story with us. Um, as we move forward with our podcast, is there anyone that you can think of that you've come across or met during your time in the league that you think would be, would be a great nomination to join us on the next episode of our NF Ladies podcast? So first of all, I'm going to send you all my friends, basically the roster, but somebody that stands out to me. Remember when I was telling you guys about how I was crying on the floor about a friend? Um, Ashley, I want to nominate her. I think she would be great for this. Um, they've been in the league for like seven or eight years and have, you know, had a couple things. So I think Ashley would be a great fit for this. Ashley Brown. All right, Ashley, I'm going to be sliding into your DM. So look out. Thank you for listening to episode eight of the NF Ladies podcast with our guest, Erza Haliti. See you next week. If you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Our music called Not Ready Yet is written, produced, and sung by my friend, Kira Grove. Again, my name is Bryce Watts. And I'm Allison Anger. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.